you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hard to believe. Yes, it is already week number three. Welcome to a game day edition of NFL Now on NFL Network from our newsroom in Los Angeles. I'm Andrew Siciliano, our insiders right around the corner with everything you need to know who is practicing today on a game day ahead of Sunday's games and Monday's game as well. Is this the Michael Gallup debut? We'll tell you what Mike McCarthy had to say. We begin with game day in Cleveland. However, TNF on Prime Video. Mitch Trubisky trying to get the Steelers offense rolling. Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns trying to close out a game. A couple of one-and-one teams with the winner taking over first place in the AFC North. Ahead of the Bengals and the Ravens getting on the field on Sunday. The Browns, who have won four straight games on Thursday night, including last year when they beat the Broncos, are busted out the orange pants tonight. Don't know if Tom Pelissero is wearing orange pants. Uh, highly doubt it. Hope not for his sake. Live, though, in Cleveland with the orange uh, seats behind him. Either Tom, Brian Boldinger as well. Tom, start with you at the stadium where the uh, Steelers are trying to get their offense rolling. And I know it's only a couple of games, but there are already calls in Pittsburgh, shockingly, for Kenny Pickett. What's the latest on their quarterback situation? Well, Andrew, Mike Tomlin has given no indication publicly or privately that he is considering a quarterback change at this very early stage in the season. He is sticking with Mitch Trubisky. However, when you're 30th in the NFL in yards per play and you're not having many big plays, you're not running the football effectively or passing it effectively, inevitably you're going to have some frustration. And you've heard a little bit of that from some of the wide receivers in Pittsburgh. My understanding is at this point, this is a week-to-week evaluation. And the Steelers quarterback plan is going to be dictated by how Trubisky plays beginning tonight against the Cleveland Browns. He has the support of the locker room. It's important to understand. Other players love Trubisky. They voted him a captain. But those receivers also want him to push the ball down the field and get it into his playmaker's hands. Kenny Pickett, of course, had a really strong preseason. He's a first-round draft pick. His time is coming eventually. Could it come in a long week following a Thursday game? You can't rule anything out. But again, it's going to be dictated by how Trubisky plays. And Trubisky acknowledged this week he knows that there's opportunities that he's not taken so far to get the ball down the field to George Pickens, among others. You know, Tom, when you watch it, they had one explosive play last week to George Pickens, a guy that they have to get more involved because he can be a, a star on this team and in this league. And so they scored one touchdown the first week, you know, in their victory against Cincinnati. And last week they had two chances in the fourth quarter to come back on the Patriots, and they couldn't put anything together. So it's about production. And they believe the team, the organization, they love Mitch. There's no question about that. But they also know that Kenny Pickett can see the future. Like, he sees the field very, very well. And maybe they need that guy to spark the passing game because that's a strength of their team is their receivers. And they got to get the ball down the field more regularly to them. I think it's a – if they're struggling in the first half, Tom, it wouldn't surprise me at all 
to see him go to pick it in the second half tonight. You can see the future, which is also a, a pretty good thing to put on your resume. It's Mitch Trubisky for now, Ohio native coming back home. Uh, maybe the Cleveland secondary is, is what Mitch Trubisky needs to hit some of these big plays because that's the storyline there this week, Tom. Not just the booing and all that. It's what it's what brought about the booing. It's the busted coverages week in, week out. A huge one last week led to the Joe Flacco comeback. And I was standing on the field, Andrew, in a 13-point game, less than two minutes to go, when all of a sudden Corey Davis is running toward me, and there is not a single Browns jersey anywhere near him. It's one of several coverage busts that have occurred over the past couple of weeks so far for this Cleveland Browns defense, and it's something that was a point of frustration in the locker room after the game. You got guys like John Johnson, the veteran safety, saying, we got to look each other in the eyes and talk about the calls because we've got guys who aren't playing the same defenses that the other guys are playing. And middle linebacker Anthony Walker Jr. is consistently said as the middle linebacker he's responsible for the communication he's got to get it fixed well I talked to Walker in the locker room on Tuesday he told me they did get together as players on defense and talked about it I said what's the root of the issues he said it's just communication we're not communicating so far they're hoping that they can do a better job clean those things up on a night that they're gonna be a little bit shorthanded Jadevian Clowney out for this game because of his ankle they will have Miles Garrett even though he did not practice this week because of a neck issue what's so frustrating Baldy is that that secondary was hand Ended a game by the run game to just close it out. The defense, mm -hmm. just it's over. They've run for 400 yards in two games. The formula is still the yeah. same. Run the ball. And they're really good at it, Andrew. And the Steelers know what's coming. And every week, Bill Callahan, the run game coordinator, the offensive coordinator, and the offensive line coach, he has a series of plays that he likes to put in, depending on the front that they're playing, and they're really good at running them. You could teach the run game in five minutes, Andrew. This is the foundation to what Cleveland wants to do. Thank you, Baldy. Thank you, Tom Pelissero. This opens up a pretty good week three. Steelers and Browns in primetime. Now let's get to the game that's going to end week three. And for that one, we say hi to Jane Slater live in Dallas as the Cowboys Go on the road to face an undefeated Giants team Monday night. Giants in a second. Let's do the Cowboys first, Jane. After listening to Mike McCarthy today, sure sounds like we're going to see Michael Gallup for the first time in a long time. It certainly sounds like he's trending that way, and that's because he says he's cleared all of the physical thresholds that come with the recovery back from that ACL tear. You know, he'll get his second padded practice in on Friday, and then they have that big ramp-up practice on Sunday ahead of Monday night, and they said that'll be a good determination, but he's been working his way into the team drills and just hearing that he's cleared the physical threshold sort of tells you everything you need to know. Now, he did concede he's not going to be playing 70 plays in this game. It sounds like he'll be on a pitch count, but just having Michael Gallup back in the lineup will be huge for the Cowboys. As for tight end Dalton Schultz, it sounds like a similar situation. You know, he's dealing with the right knee issue, but he's been doing a little more each day, so they'll see how he does as, as the week progresses. But if he feels good on Sunday, sounds like he's got a chance to play on Monday. And when you get the injury report from today, you will not see Micah Parsons participating in practice. No need to get upset, Cowboy fans. He's dealing with a little bit of a cold, so they're just being careful with him. He has a little bit of a cold. Michael Gallup, we have not seen him on the field since January 2nd when he did injure that knee. Meantime, the Giants are trying to get Jane to 3-0 for the first time since 09. What is Brian Dayball doing differently in New York other than winning football games? Look, it's not just what Brian Dayball is doing, but what Wink Martindale is doing on the defensive side of the ball. And I love the soundbite from safety Julian Love this week where he said, basically the message in that building this year is send it. What does he mean by that? 
Well, he says he wants the guys to play fast, free, without worrying about being perfect. Cowboys might have a hard time scouting this revamped Giants D, though, when you consider how different it does look like. Martindale's last week had a 6-DB front, safeties in the box, and winning games without their first-round edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, who has returned this week, following a sprained MCL in the preseason, along with Aziz Ojolari, who led the team in sacks last season. Now, Coach Dayball said they're both day-to-day, but they're on the close side. If both return, that could be quite the pass rush. And it was Thibodeau who was asked at his locker how he felt Wednesday post-practice. He said he was confident, and they were able to open it up and do a lot of things. So it sounds like he is trending in the right direction. But even Mike McCarthy talked about this today. When you consider the fact the Cowboys have had their number in recent years, this is a completely different Giants team. Their two wins in the first two weeks are more than they had through seven last season. Have not been 2-0 since 16. Last time they made the postseason. Trying to get to 3-0 for the first time since 09. Thank you, Jane Slater in Dallas. That game is on Monday night. Oh, by the way, we only have one game this coming Monday night. We have four games, however, in the 4 o'clock window on Sunday. And the sneaky good game of the week, Justin Herbert and the Chargers against that revitalized Jaguars front seven. Herbert, though, dealing with a rib cartilage injury. Justin is day-to-day. Um, I think he's gotten a lot of rest since the last game, but I think the nature of the week is it's truly going to be case-by-case, day-by-day basis. I know that he's feeling more comfortable. I know that he was able to do some light throwing yesterday, some rotational work, but we're just going to take it day-by-day and see where his comfort level is and truly trust him and let him kind of be the guide of, of where we're at and make sure we're prepared uh, either way. Oh, for what it's worth. Hi there, Ian Rappaport. Tom Pelissero back with us from Cleveland as well. Austin Eckler went on Twitch last night, Ian, said that her Herbert looked okay in the training room day to day, but he said, you know, he, he did have a rib cartilage injury before he played through it. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if we knew that. What do we know about this week? I was not on Twitch last night, so I will defer to all the people I was on not that either. thing for whatever Austin Eckler said about that. Very good news, though, for the Chargers that Justin Herbert was able to be out at practice. And there's going to be a couple of different benchmarks, a couple of different tests this week to see whether or not he's going to be out there. But just being able to practice with that rib cartilage fracture was certainly one of the biggest early ones for him. And it sounds like it's going to be more of a pain tolerance issue than a Kenny function issue which is good because generally when you have someone as tough as Justin Herbert who really only missed one play on Thursday night ended up throwing a 40-yard strike down the field despite not being able to throw it three yards on the play before. If he's able to battle through that, you'd think he'd be able to play on Sunday. So it sounds like it's headed in the right direction, but he's got to be able to get through Friday's practice until we know for sure. And Ian, you're right. There are additional tests. It's also a pain tolerance issue for Justin Herbert and a functionality issue. There are different things that you can do for an injury like this. This is not entirely uncommon among quarterbacks. You also can rest assured the Chargers are not going to put Justin Herbert on the field if they feel like he is at a medical risk. If he ends up starting that game on Sunday, against the Jaguars, it's because their doctors have said that he's in a good position to do it and because Herbert can function at a high enough level, not just competitively, but also to keep himself healthy as well. I have to wonder as well if Lindsley, the center, his status has anything to do with Justin Herbert's uh, participation on Sunday against that Jaguars front Corey seven Lindsay. that sacked Corey, thank you, against a Jaguars uh, team that sacked Matt Ryan five times last week. Meantime, let's get to Lamar Jackson. Had a, a sleeve, Ian, over his right arm yesterday. Really didn't throw much in Baltimore as the Ravens open up a new week of practice we don't know about him it sounds like he didn't throw it all a compression sleeve on his right arm and talked to after practice and said basically he's fine coach John Harbaugh alluded to it being just kind of the bumps and bruises of the season so really not a lot of alarm for Lamar Jackson and if you go back and watch it 
right before he busted out that 75-yard run. He got hit in the right elbow, the same right elbow that was all kind of taken care of during practice. So perhaps that is all what it's from. He didn't sense any concern there. It sounds like later in the week, which could be today or could be Friday, you'll see Lamar Jackson throw a little bit. And Harbaugh was very clear he is expected to play on Sunday. Lamar Jackson said the same thing, Ian, that I'm going to be throwing a lot of passes on Sunday. So no outward concern from the Ravens, though certainly if you have a situation where Lamar's not able to throw the football effectively based on what he's dealing with with the elbow, that's not exactly something that they would broadcast publicly either. So we'll monitor over the next couple of days. Was listed as limited in practice on Wednesday. Had that compression sleeve on. We'll see by Sunday whether or not he's still wearing that sleeve and how much he's able to do and do what Lamar Jackson always does on the field. And we'll find out on Monday how much Kenny Galladay is playing for the Giants, Ian. This one we should be looking at here. Is there a breaking point anytime soon for what's going on in New York? Kenny Galladay's not playing two snaps. Said yesterday, you know, his coaches are co-workers, nothing more than that. Said, I should be playing. That's a fact. You know, the comments sound explosive, but if you watch him, it's pretty matter-of-fact. And Kenny Galladay's a pretty good guy. He sounds like he just said what he thinks. And when Brian Dayball was asked about it, he basically said, that's what I want. That's a competitive player. You want to see a player who wants to be on the field. That said, he has not been on the field. And whether it's, you know, I, I know we've all talked about the contract, and certainly that is a massive, massive, fully guaranteed contract. But the fact that his play hasn't earned him more snaps is, you know, I would say concerning. Do you get to a breaking point? Maybe, because, Tom, as you know, one of the best ways to hurt a locker room is to have a high, high-priced veteran not playing as much as he wanted and just have him in the locker room. It just, it rarely goes well. I would say his playing time on Monday night is going to be extremely telling. If it's a lot, then perhaps our question's answered. If it's not a lot, we could sort of see which way it's going. One of the questions Kenny Galladay was asked, Ian, was about whether or not he would request a trade. And Galladay kind of pushed that aside, wouldn't answer directly, just said that his focus is moving forward with the Giants. But the reality is, if anybody wanted to trade for Kenny Galladay toward the end of the preseason and up until cutdown day, they could have done it. It's hard right now for the Giants to move a player with a $13 million fully guaranteed salary. There's not a lot of teams from a cap perspective that could take that on, particularly when it's a player that everybody is wondering with what happened at the end in Detroit and now with what's happening with the Giants whether or not that's even going to make sense to pursue it somewhere down the line here. Right. When you say, are you going to ask for a trade? Yes, yeah, sure. But who is taking that contract? That is not going to happen. Tom Pelissero, Ian Rappaport, thank you. Again, the Giants 2-0 with or without Kenny Galladay playing the Cowboys on Monday night. Speaking of wide receivers, plenty of difference a week make. Aaron Rodgers' situation looks a heck of a lot better right now than Tom Brady's. Yeah. Who's Brady throwing to Sunday? That's coming up. NFL Now on a game day. Nothing can stop me. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now, NFL Network. The Buccaneers get ready for the Packers. But there's a significant question. Who's he going to throw to? Chris Godwin is still working his way back from a hamstring injury. Mike Evans, hi there, Mark Ross, is suspended for this game against the Packers on Sunday. Cole Beasley 
who just officially signed yesterday may be pressed into service. That's pretty bleak. Would be if you didn't have Tom Brady, if you didn't have the GOAT, Andrew. What have we seen with Tom Brady year after year with the Patriots and now with Tampa Bay is, hey, just give me my guys and I'll make it work. Obviously, he's done well with superstars, the Randy Moss year and all that. But for the most part, Tom Brady has been the engine of the machine of all the teams, all the offenses that he runs. So I would expect to see a similar sort of offense for Tampa Bay is spreading it out, getting Leonard Fournette involved in the run game, but not really changing a lot of what he does. And someone would emerge out of the shadows in this game. Let's say, could it be a Russell Gage breakout game for Tampa Bay this year? But I would just expect Brady to be efficient, effective in that short passing game, take his shots when he can, and look for a player to emerge like a Russell Gage there, Andrew. I thought it was going to be the Russell Gage bust-out game last week. I, I put him in my fantasy lineup. No one cares about my fantasy lineup. Instead, <laughs> it's Rashad Perryman, who had the key touchdown there. In what was a very close game, obviously, well into the third quarter, Mark, we have seen what Todd Bowles has done against Aaron Rodgers in the past here. This team last week, though, on Sunday night against the Bears, dedicated themselves to the run. What kind of matchup is this from that perspective? Well, that's the key for Green Bay is they have to run the ball and for Tampa Bay, obviously, to stop the run. And Todd Bowles' defense has done an outstanding job these first two weeks in all phases of holding the scoring down, the rushing at the passing. So it's imperative that they stop the run at Green Bay. We, as you mentioned, Sunday night, if they get Aaron Jones rolling and Dylan rolling, I mean, that's a hard offense to stop because that opens up Aaron Rodgers' play action. So, yeah, you stop the run, and then conversely, how we talked about Brady making people better and just throwing guys in, can Rodgers do the same with his receivers? So, for Tampa Bay, stop the run and force one of those guys, Sandy, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, one of the rookies, can they beat you? So, for Todd Bowles' defense, stop the run, force the older or one of the unproven receivers to win the game for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. 2020, week six, the Packers went down there to Tampa. That game was over early thanks to that Buccaneers defense. Thank you, Mark Ross, Brady, Rodgers, coming on Sunday. How about Kyler and Matthew Stafford as well? Oh, what a ridiculous finish. Kyler Murray gave us in Vegas on Sunday. Now... It's Kyler and the Cardinals against the Rams in Arizona. That's where we find Taylor Bashotti here live on NFL Now. Hi, Taylor. This is not only a divisional game here, but this is also, Taylor, a playoff rematch from a year ago. It is. It's a big one. But Kyler Murray insisted on Wednesday he doesn't view it as a revenge game. He said that was last year. This is this year. The Rams did beat the Cardinals twice last year. They kicked them out of the playoffs. The Cardinals' one win against the Rams last season came week four at SoFi Stadium. So what worked for them then? Well, they went old school. They abandoned their traditional air raid offense, and instead they did a ground raid. They ran the ball down the Rams' throat. 40 carries, 216 rushing yards. And to put that into context, in the two games that they lost to the Rams, they combined for a grand total of 82 rushing yards. They had a completely different approach. 
And if they do care to replicate that approach on Sunday, their very heavy ground approach, they did get great news today. James Conner, who left last week's game against the Raiders with an ankle injury, he has not practiced this week. He was out there and he did not seem limited at all. He was running around, stretching. He participated in all the drills that I could see. And even if he is limited and he is not able to go, the Cardinals do have a heavy backfield. They have Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin, and they proved last week that they can carry the load. They had 120 yards from scrimmage in the game against the Raiders. Okay, thank you, Taylor Brashadi there. Tua Tungavailoa, not only the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, he got slimed! He's the Nickelodeon VP, the NVP. After the Dolphins rallied from down 21 to beat the Ravens, now they get the Bills. You know, everyone knows that they're a really good team. They're tough defensively. They're explosive offensively. So I wouldn't say that we have a measuring stick for how good that these guys are. Because you look at it, the, their opening game, they, they beat the Super Bowl champions of last year. And they didn't just beat them. You know, they, it, was, it was by a lot. And the next team they played, really good team. They beat them by a lot. So you know, for us, we're just looking at playing the way we play and playing the way we've played for the past two weeks. And uh, we'll go out there. They'll get our best, and we'll get theirs. Brian Baldinger, something has to give here. Tua loves to throw the long ball now that he has Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddell can run, obviously, as well. Buffalo and Leslie Frazier, this defense doesn't give up the deep ball. So what gives? Well, I call those two receivers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, the Blur brothers, Andrew, because that's what they are. They're just a blur. And the Buffalo Bills may very well line up two rookie quarterbacks in this game. Kyir Elam might replace Dane Jackson, who was hurt the other night. And then you might have Christian Benford, who's been starting at the right corner of the sixth-round pick out of Villanova. I can guarantee you that Villanova, who plays Monmouth this week in that level of football, they haven't seen, and Christian Benford hadn't seen the speed that they're going to see. Now, the safeties back there, like Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they're experienced. They know what's coming, but can they stop it? Because the Ravens knew what was coming, they couldn't stop it. So it's, it'll be an interesting test for the secondary, which has been excellent. The one thing that can help, though, Andrew, is the way that they're rushing the passer right now, it's interesting. They're putting Jordan Phillips, a 30-pound defensive tackle, at end, and they're putting Gregory Rousseau inside over the guards and moving Von Miller around. And it seemed to have a real good effect against Tennessee the other night. And so we'll see if they stay with that package to try to pressure Tua, maybe to get the ball out quicker or maybe to make some errant throws. A Micah High, Jordan Poyer, nor obviously Dane Jackson. None of them practiced today. So there are injury concerns in that Buffalo secondary that has not given up a deep touchdown pass, meaning 20 yards or more since Tua did it in December of 2020. It has been over a full season. Fascinating matchup coming up this week in Miami, potentially in the rain. For the fifth time in six years, Andy Reid's Chiefs are opening 2-0. And here's a shocker. The offense looks just fine, people. It looks just fine. Seven different Chiefs players have at least five targets in 2022. Six different guys, James Palmer, have caught touchdowns. Oh, by the way, they're in Indianapolis. You'll be there as well. They're taking on the Colts this week. I guess reports of that offensive demise greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I know where you're going with that. Love the reference. And you're right, Andrew, with those six different players that have 
had receiving touchdowns through these first two games. You know who's not part of that six? Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, two big guys that came in the offseason to help this group. And also Sky Moore, their second-round pick at wide receiver, who a lot of people loved in camp, has only played about 15 snaps through these first two games. It's getting spread around to everybody. And then one big example I want to point out is the 41-yard touchdown pass that Patrick Mahomes had to Justin Watson over an all-pro corner in J.C. Jackson. He was in on that play because McCole Hardman had tweaked his ankle. That shows you how deep this group is and the trust Patrick Mahomes has going to all of these different players. Now, he did admit this week that the game planning takes a little bit longer. There were some miscues in the first half against the Chargers because there's so many new faces in that group. But the major part of it is, Andrew, he trusts this offensive line to give him protection to go through his progressions. They were very strong against the Chargers. Another talented front seven with the Colts is who they're going to have on Sunday. But that offensive line, the reason why Mahomes is spreading the football around. As the Chiefs look to go to 3-0 and Indianapolis looks to win its first game. Another slow start here under Frank Reich. We've seen 1-4 and 1-5. and They've rallied and they've been okay. Yeah. This is a big one in Indianapolis. Coming up next... Russell Wilson tries to make friends with the Broncos fans. And Jimmy Garoppolo is back for the 49ers. We put Sunday night in the spotlight straight ahead. Big step of big who big bread get money. If you seen around me, just know they here winning. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers quarterback. Yep, like really. Kyle Shanahan confirmed this week that Trey Lance is not coming back. That is season-ending surgery. Now, Garoppolo goes on the road on Sunday night in primetime to face Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Live in Santa Clara, Caleb Burton with us now as we cover the 49ers side of this. They have turned the page. What to expect now, Kayla? What are the Niners saying from Garoppolo and this new team on Sunday? Andrew, the Niners are expecting and saying, let's pick up right where we left off, which is getting their first win of the season just last Sunday against the Seahawks. And, of course, Garoppolo was a big part of the reason why they came out with the win. When Trey Lance went down towards the end of that first quarter, Garoppolo picked up the slack. He was 13 of 21 in completions, 154 yards, two touchdowns. And this is a quarterback who didn't even have the playbook in the offseason. But, of course, he is stepping into this new role, and they're going up against a familiar foe in Russell Wilson. Garoppolo is just one and four against Wilson in his NFL career, but he's also eight and four on primetime games, and they're looking forward to a primetime matchup on Sunday. I will say this, though. One of the concerns with this team is the lack of depth at the QB position. With Trey Lance now out of the picture, Garoppolo has had a series of injuries throughout his history, and now they could be turning their attention, will be turning their attention to QB2 Brock Purdy, coming from Iowa State, known as Mr. Irrelevant for being the final pick in this year's draft. And I went up to him and asked him about about that and he says I'm not irrelevant he said right after that game it was general manager John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan that said to him you are one snap away from taking the field and you have to be ready and he says that has been his mindset 
ever since, and he's not worried about that whatsoever. I will add this. They did just go out and sign Kent Burkett as well. He played three years in Baltimore. Last year, he spent with the Packers, but he has yet to throw a regular season pass. But Shanahan said that he likes what he brings, but there's a lot of comfortability knowing that Garoppolo is in the picture now. Banker, the former UVA quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, $250,000 for every game. He plays at least 25% of the snaps. Another hundo if they can win Sunday night in Denver. Thank you, Caleb Burton with the 49ers. Now the Broncos side of things. They got their first win. They beat the Texans Sunday in the home opener. It wasn't always pretty. However, I mean, the operation still isn't working smoothly. At one point, the fans are counting down the play clock to help the offense. There's moments and there's plays that, you know, that are just miraculous plays. There's plays that are your easy ones. You walk in or whatever, the guy's wide open. There's plays that are contested, and we've had a lot of contested ones. We just barely, you know, uh, didn't get in there here or there. So I'm not concerned. I, I'm actually I'm actually really excited because, you know, I think that where we can go, if we just fine-tune that little piece and make them like one or two plays here or there every game, I always call them game-altering plays. I mean, it's it makes a massive difference in the games. The Broncos, James Palmer live in Denver, were not good for us on the TV show on Sunday. They are now 0 for 6 in the red zone through two games. How do they fix that? Let's first say, Andrew, we know Russell Wilson is always a positive individual, but it is somewhat positive in Denver. They have the seventh best offense in the NFL in terms of total offense. But yes, you're right. They're tied for last with the Seahawks in terms of red zone offense. And how do they fix that? Well, Nathaniel Hackett believes they need to be more balanced down there in the red zone. You heard Russ talking about the little issues that they've had. Obviously, two fumbles on the one. They've had five straight drives. It start this season where they've had a goal-to-go situation where they haven't scored. That's the only time that's happened in 30 years to start a season. So there are some outliers that they think they can fix some of these things. And when I've talked to guys in the locker room after that game in Seattle and throughout this week, it's been there's some special things we can do on offense. If this little red zone thing, which this little red zone thing, scoring points, right? They're 24th in points is a big deal. But if they fix that, the offense is moving the football. So that's kind of the where they stand in terms of the red zone. Not a lot of panic, but just just a lot of frustration from what I'm told. They'd probably feel a little bit better if they got a clean bill of health for this one. That, though, is unlikely. What's the latest on the Broncos' decent list of injuries? Let's start on that defensive side of the ball because we know Pat Sertan is a big part of what they do defensively, and we saw what he did against D.K. Metcalf, a big physical receiver. Well, obviously, against Debo Samuel, you'd like to have Pat Sertan out there as a big physical corner. He's going to return to the practice field today. He left that game against the Texans with a shoulder injury, so we'll see if he can go on Sunday. This is going to be his first real test to my understanding today in practice and on that offensive line they know they need to slow down Nick Bosa who moves around Billy Turner who they'd like to be their starting right tackle is still trying to get up to speed he's practiced this week they won't say he'd be their starting right tackle but you would assume Andrew if he's healthy he would be helping them out and on that defensive side of the ball as well their signal caller the kind of the brain trust of that group and Josie Jewell at the middle linebacker spot missed the first two games with a calf injury he's returning to practice so that's a big part but Jerry Judy not out at practice right now. That is a big hole if he can't play for this offense. But again, this defense knows this group very well. You have DJ Jones, you have Kwan Williams, you have Jero Evero coming over who, who knows them very well from being with the Rams. Exactly. One of the Rams DB coaches the last couple of years here. Mm-hmm. Two games a year against Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Thank you. James Palmer live in Denver. Joe Burrow and the Bengals have not gotten going yet. They are 0 and two. And if you haven't heard, as they get ready for the Jets, he has been sacked 13 times. Everyone is, is frustrated, but 
Like I said, we're not panicking. Two games in, we got 15 games left. It's all just take a deep breath and relax. We're going to be fine. We're not worried about it. Uh, it reminds me of Han Solo, Brian Baldinger, and the original Star Wars. We're all fine here. How are you? Unpack the Bengals' offensive struggles. Is it the line? Is he holding the ball too long? Is it play calling? What is it? And there's a lot of blame to go around, really, to everybody. And you don't have to look very far in either of the first two games to find it. I mean, it's right out there for you. The good thing for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, everything is correctable. The Jets are a good defensive front. They have not played well yet up front. But they're capable of playing like the Cowboys did and like the Steelers did. They've got that type of talent. So they're going to be under the microscope this week. And maybe the Bengals might be undermanned as well as Lael Collins, their right tackle. Former Cowboy missed a second day of practice this week with what the Bengals are calling a back injury. Bengals, Jets in New York coming up on Sunday. Thank you, Brian Baldinger. That came at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Kicking off at the exact same time, we got the Patriots and the Ravens, this after a fantastic performance. 300 yards passing, over 100 yards on the ground last week from Lamar Jackson. As once again, Lamar Jackson answers his critics, something Belichick was reminded of earlier this week. Belichick talked a little bit about how they brought you in and met with you before the draft when you were picked. Do you remember anything about that and what were your sort of impressions of theirs? Um, I seen Belichick smile. Um, usually I see him, he's puzzle face like this, straight face guy. When I see him smile, I'm like, dang, you you got humor. Like, <laughs> I told him that. He was like, yeah. I'm like, I wasn't expecting you to be smiling. <laughs> uh, 2018, Lamar Jackson, the number 32 overall pick of the Baltimore Ravens. One more thing before we go. Ian Rappaport goes first. So you guys know the Bills Mafia, right? One of the best fan bases in the NFL. They are launching the mini mafia. Those mafias opening up their fan base to 6 to 14-year-olds. So not only do you get the invitations to special activities, sweepstakes, and events, the first 500 kids registered received a pair of Bills Zubaz sunglasses, which sounds like a joke, but is actually real. Remember, kids, as you enter the mini mafia, crime does not pay. Sarah Walsh, one more thing. <laughs> Tom Brady makes all the headlines down here. How about some love, though, for safety Mike Edwards? The Bucks mic'd him up before the game against the Saints, and he was heard saying his hands are certified and that he has to have at least top five hands in the league. Oh, and then he went out and had a pick six. By the way, going back to the start of last season, nobody in the league has more. He's got three of those. Fantastic. Brian Baldinger, one more thing. Andrew, we are in the age of the freak athlete. I mean, after watching last week and watching Lamar, watching Kyler, watching Tyreek, watching Micah, watching Jalen Hurts, like these teams have these players, they're so good, there's nothing that they'll, they can't do. And these outcomes are being determined by their freakish athletic ability. And hopefully we see some of that on display this evening with guys like Miles Garrett or Najee Harris or Chase Claypool or whomever. My one more thing. Can we go back to what I mentioned earlier with Mark Ross here about Jerry Jones? He's speaking at some function today in Dallas. He says that he would welcome a quarterback controversy, meaning Cooper Rush plays so well that we'd actually talk about whether or not he should play over Dak. And he actually did say that if there is a legit quarterback controversy, that if Rush plays so well, that he would walk to New York. Jerry, it's 1,500 miles. See you there. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling 
tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.